0: One through eight, we're going to talk about something here. I, I, you know, I I told you I started last uh, last week on great doctrines. Uh, There's a lot of there is a lot of of churches who who say, well, we're not going to focus on doctrine; rather, we're going to focus on love. Well, let me let me give you something here. Love is a doctrine. Whatever the teaching of a church is, becomes this doctrine. So, you can't say our church is free from doctrine. You have to have doctrine. I mean, if I just come up here and just stand in here and look and smile real big, that would be my doctrine, the first church of the smile. Whatever you do becomes that doctrine. So, doctrine is very important. And we're going to, uh, we're going to just, we're titling this here this morning, In the Beginning. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 1 through 8. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Everybody believe that? You do? Then you must believe everything that's written after that, correct? Because if you believe that, you have to believe everything that's after that. All right, so don't gripe and moan about standards in the church if they're biblical. All right,
1: very good. Very good.
0: And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, "Let there be firmament in the midst of the waters, and let the divide the waters from the waters." And God made the firmament, divide the waters from which under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. It was also, and it was so, and it was, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. Evening and morning were the second day. Genesis 2, 4 through 7. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In that day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth. And every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. Wouldn't it be nice if the earth still did it from underneath? Wouldn't it have to worry about roofs? <laughs> But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Turn your neighbor and shake their hand and say, you are a living soul. Oh, yeah. I got it. I got it. I forgot. You know, you got to help them. You're supposed to be down here leading service. And they, yeah, and you got stuck up there. What's my, Everybody sick? Be seated. Take up the offering, brethren. Stop, brother. Well, I'll just get mine. Just, just everybody, just, just look good for each other and smile real big and get your money up. Yes. Oh, announcements. So what we need to do is get a new group for power. Anyone tell me what the book of Genesis, what the term Genesis means. Anybody, raise your hands. Don't just blurt it out. What's Genesis mean? Go ahead. Beginning. In the beginning, in the Genesis. In the Genesis. Alright, so it's been properly called and which it is the book of beginnings. And its name actually means that. And most all of your major themes in the Bible have their origin in this book. The material world, sin in the human race, redemption from sin, faith in God, and the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ all are introduced in this first book of the Bible. All of them are there. Genesis is the beginning of the account of God's relationship with mankind on the earth. The book of Revelation tells about the conclusion of that account. So from Genesis to Revelation, it, it, from there, from the beginnings, it tells you about God. In fact, if many of you that have taught Search for Truth can remember in the chart where you have the the old chart at least, has the red line on it that begins and starts with the lineage of Jesus Christ and follows all the way through uh, to the book of Revelation, telling you which tribe, who he was born of, his, his genealogy all the way through there, and and, and it tells about him. So all your major, in fact, in fact, Genesis covers 3,600 years of history in one book. In one book, 3,600 years. So the book of Genesis does not attempt to prove the existence of God. In fact, in Genesis, when you talk about its origins, it it tells you about man. It gives you the major principles, uh, the principal teachings throughout the Scripture. But it also does not tell you about the beginning of the spirit world. Angels, fallen angels, are already on the earth when Adam and Eve are created. So they are there. So it doesn't tell you about the origin, nor does it try to approve or prove the existence of God. It assumes and proclaims Him as the Creator. Do you understand what this is saying? It, it, you cannot find anywhere in the Bible where it tries to prove the existence of God. So when you try to use the Bible to prove God's existence, all you can do is just show people creation. But you can't say, you know, they say, well, this is where God came from. There's only one place, Habakkuk 3.3, that says God came from Teman. And Habakkuk 3.3, 3, Teman was a place south of, of, of Israel, and there was nothing there. So what he was saying was simply this, God came from nothing. It doesn't try to prove that. It just assumes and tells you about him. There is, you know, Genesis is is not alone, again, in the silence of, of reasoning to prove that God exists. For nowhere does the Bible attempt to prove His existence through natural reasoning process. You can't do that. The Bible is not a theological textbook. It's not that. But it's a revelation of God to mankind. The Bible is not a record of man's search to discover and know God, but it's a progressive self-revealing of God to mankind whom He created in His own image. It just simply continues to reveal how big God is. And if we, as you as a, as a Christian, as a Holy Ghost filled uh, person, you will begin to understand God gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your life as you allow Him to get larger in your life. But when we try to, to relegate Him to something small, we try to, to explain away what God asks us to do throughout His scripture, then God becomes small to you. And this is why Genesis doesn't try to prove the existence. It tries to relegate him to something small. You don't have, God doesn't need anybody to prove who he is or what he is. God is. God is. And that's enough. That's what we need to know. You know, we can know God and his glory through the creation, but we need to remember that God has revealed himself to mankind through the incarnation. Mankind has has received this greatest of revelations through the experience of the new birth, of the water and of the Spirit. And still, a glimpse into the universe helps us to see and appreciate the supreme being who put it together. And, and I don't care how many times I teach in this manner, it's still big to me. Because when you stop and you look at the vastness of the universe, when you see just how big it is with the billions and billions of stars and the, and the billions of galaxies and the billions of light years of space, we all... So you sense an order in everything. You you see around us the earth. The, and you begin to realize the interdependence that one thing has on the other. Something as simple as, as the oxygen that we breathe that the plant life gives it off. But it also takes the carbon dioxide that we breathe out and it maintains the greenery. So God has an interdependence on everything. I was reading a book the other day. and I know it was a joke, but it was kind of funny. You get some of these these... Green people. Kind of like Jessica there. Green person. And uh, they were, in this book, it was a scientific thing. They were talking about cloning and how this guy was being, being, had people that were supporting his cloning process. But what this man wanted was this, this scientist to develop a human being that did not breathe out carbon dioxide so that it wouldn't mess up the ozone layer. Now, you can laugh if you want to, but I guarantee you one thing. There are people out there that are looking for that. They, like, kill us all off and come up with this person who doesn't breathe out. But if you had a person that didn't breathe out carbon dioxide, then all your plant life would die. God has made it right. You understand that? God has made it right. He doesn't make mistakes. God formed everything. With a dependence. And further, our own bodies testify uh, to the greatness of God's creative powers. Development of, of a mature human body from a single cell. Do you ever stop and think about how great that is? One single cell. And it creates a mature human body. And you tell me that God isn't big. You tell me that God can't do anything. You tell me that God can't take a a, a section of your body and heal that. God can't take cancer out. That People doubt that he's got that ability to do so or wants to do so. But yet he can create a mature human body out of one single cell. You tell me that God can't take care of financial problems. You tell me that God can't take care of marriage problems. You tell me that God can't. Do you tell me that? We've got a God that is so big that there's absolutely... Absolutely nothing that he cannot do. He can do it all. If he can create the billions of stars, the billions of galaxies. If he can do all that, then he can take care of every difficulty you have in your life. So, God formed the universe and established the laws under which it functions. He can also set these laws aside according to his will. We can believe in the supernatural because we know that God can do all of these things. Now God did not, and we look at the purpose of creation. God did not design His 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 Word to satisfy and complete, or satisfy or complete uh, our, our curiosity, but it will supply us with all the information necessary to lead us to proper relationship with God. Uh, and I'm saying, what I'm saying is this. Many of you, and and I think that's kind of the natural order of humankind. That you've got a curiosity. Why did God do this, or why did God? You ever just stop and think, and you're laying there at night, and, it's, and and everything's dark, and and uh, there's no noise, and just all of a sudden there's this this big, like a cartoon, this big bubble above your head, and, and, and you know it's a big white bubble, and there's words say, Why am I here? Why did God make me? and you think about it and your mind begins to just go around and around. Let me help you with that. I know why. I got Bible for it. Okay, are you ready? Don't forget this. God created all things for his own pleasure. That's all you need to know. Don't 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 try to figure out why you are who you are. Don't try to figure out why you were made the way you are. Don't God created you for His own pleasure. Each one of us has a reason to be here. But primarily, all of us are here for the pleasure of God. He gets pleasure out of seeing you do the right things, making the right decisions. He gets pleasure out of you seeking Him to make those right decisions. He gets pleasure out of you desiring a closer relationship with Him. He gets pleasure out of you uh, completely obeying His Word. That's where the pleasure comes from. Don't, don't try to figure out all this. Because God never designed His Word to answer all your questions. But you can. He can not see the purpose of creation. It, 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 and you know, it, what, what His Word does is announces that God created all things and pronounced that what He did was good. He created everything good. It's for His own pleasure. And our desire to know the reason God formed the heavens and the earth is not satisfied until we get a glimpse of end time events. You know, if you ever really want to, if you want to think too much, just just remember where we are. From the beginning to the end, we're in the middle somewhere, actually closer to the end than the middle. And the fact remains, you need to realize where things are going. And the only thing that's important to you is that you live your life the way God wants you to live your life. That's the important thing. So, so God's eternal plan for mankind described in the book of Revelation, is, is we see the end there. John the Revelator revealed that God created all things for His own pleasure. I said that earlier. That Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created in Revelation 4.11. Hebrews eleven verse three says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Creation was not the making of something out of substance or of less matter. It was not finding space in a state of shapelessness or confusion out of what the what the creator formed or the creator formed beauty. But rather, creation came from nothing. God made everything out of nothing. He didn't take some shapeless mass. And create the universe. He spoke it into existence. When he spoke, the stars came on, on the into the skies. When he spoke, the earth was formed. Now, I, I'm not going to be so bold because I don't have scripture for it. And you'll all get we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. I'm not going to tell you how long it took God to do this because time to God was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. So He created all things out of nothing. Time meant nothing to Him. And as, as, the, uh, as the Creator formed something uh, out of complete emptiness and void, only God is able to do such, the thing, uh, such a thing as this. And perhaps one could discover the key to the, to the reason that God created all things in His moral nature, which in essence is goodness and love. John 4, 8 declares God is love. So why did God do it? God did did it out of love. God had the spiritual beings that was created before the earth, before the universe even was created. He had the spiritual beings, the angels that were with him. But these angels were no more to him than automatons. They were just robotic. He wanted a being that created, that had a free will. One that was created in his own image. One that had the power to choose whether he would follow God or whether he would follow after the course of the world and the devil. He wanted one who could make those choices. But only through that kind of an individual could God get the pleasure that He wanted out of seeing someone who was down and beaten and downtrodden make the right choice and say, I'm not going to allow this to destroy me. I'm going to find my God. I'm going to find Him in the face of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to turn my life around. The Gospel is going to be that which I obey. The Gospel is going to be that which I go. More than anything else, I'm going to serve Him with all of my heart. But God is also holy. The essence and the character of God. God is love. God is holy. Counterbalance one another. But yet in true holiness you find true love. Holiness is separation from everything in the world. Holiness is distinction. God is holy. He's distinct. He's different. He's separated. He tells us in His Word, Without holiness no man shall see God. So we have to have that nature of holiness within us through the baptism of the Spirit. And that holiness should change us. It should transform us. Because if God is love and His nature is love, and I've got His Spirit in me, then I should love Him enough to want to change to be like Him. So there you see the basis of the character of God in those two Scriptures. God is love and God is holy. And His great love would not permit Him to dwell alone, although he was surrounded by myriads of angels. Yet his nature of love moved him to create someone with whom he could have fellowship, and whom he could enjoy. And as a creator of all things, God is worthy of our praise and adoration. Revelations 4.11 tells us this. We should return the love he has given to us, since he is not only the creator, but also the preserver of all things. All things depend on him, and we should trust him completely and thank him profusely for his goodness. Now, where and when did it all begin? Let's, let's look at this. The, the, the progression of creation. Where and when did it all begin? Did God, I told you I'd come back to this, did God create all this in a 24-hour day? Did God, as the Bible says, the day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day unto the Lord. Did God take each creative day? And did He do it in a thousand years? Or did he do it like I said, and I said, I have no, I'm not... telling The worst thing you can do about this kind of teaching and when you try to figure out how long God did all this is try to be dogmatic about it. You know, I, I, I'm not going to be condescending nor dogmatic when it comes to this. Partially, I think God took 7,000 years in each creative day, and that, was, that coincides with the, uh, the Jewish feast. You've heard me talk about that before. Never really taught in any extent on it. I probably should just for the sake, but I can't prove that I'm right. All I can do is tell you how I feel. Thus, being forty-nine thousand years of creation, and there are uh, some things out there. I know I, I'll be the first one to tell you that God could have created oil. He could have taken and killed an old dinosaur and pressed him down real quick and made an oil out of him. Okay, so it's all those dinosaurs right now are spurting up in the in the in the, g- in the Gulf down there. I was looking at the paper this morning. I used to go to Gulf Shores in Alabama a lot, and Orange Beach, and they got all that oil now washing up on the on the beaches there. And and you know, I, I know there is going to be a lot of hurting businesses because people are not going to go down there on those nice white beaches and sit in an oil stain. But regardless, God made all this and how He made it. You know, it, it's it's really nothing that we can say one way or the other it's not clear in the scripture of how all this came about but we do know that it happened so whatever you want to believe there whether it was uh whether it was 24 hours 1000 years or just a period of time and some some men say or think that the language of the hebrews uh or actually lets us think it was just a period of time which is uh, doesn't say how much that time is. But regardless to you know to to them the universe emerged some some people believe that the universe simply emerged from a physical movement and was an accident or a matter of energy and still unanswered is such theories of of, of course as the question of the origin of the matter the energies. If 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 God allowed the everything to be created by matter and energy then where did the matter and the energy come from? Which I don't believe, but I'm just saying these are the, the theories that scientists have. Then, Then where did they come from? Something, somewhere had to have a beginning. There had to be a cell when man was created, okay? Where did the cell come from? If we agree with what the scientists are saying, where did the cell come from? There had to be a beginning somewhere. God's Word is clear. It refers to the very beginning of the existing universe and declares God is the creator of all things. God framed the universe by His wisdom and brought it into existence by His power in Hebrews 11 verse 3. He brought into being the heavens, the earth, and all things in them by the authority of His words. Some people just need to understand, in order to understand creation, you just need simply to turn by faith To Jesus Christ, who the Bible says created all things. And by him all things were made in the book of Colossians. All things were made by him and for him. Now, in Psalm 33 verse 9 it says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. In Psalm 148, verse 5, it says, "...let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created." The believer has no difficulty in accepting that God created all things by His Word, for he believes God is omnipotent. He knows nothing is too hard for the Lord. The first verse of God's Word tells us that God both existed before the heavens and the earth, and that He is a creator of them. God has a master plan for the universe, a plan that was in existence even from the foundation of the world, and it included the Redeemer the redeemed saints in a new heaven and a new earth. This suffering world groans according to Romans 8-2 while awaiting the fulfillment of God's plan. And the true believer eagerly awaits the consummation of all things the book of genesis describes the order of creation in a step-by-step fashion beginning with a description of a world without form and void the biblical account of creation leads us to the series of six creative days and it tells us what took place during each of these periods of time and again we go back to we go back to what i said we don't know exactly i just told you uh, again my theory of seven thousand years in each creative day and as simply as that the theory i can't prove it we do know god did it and there was a period of time time to god means absolutely nothing but the fact remains that we just need to turn by faith and believe that God did it and whatever. The, I don't, don't waste a lot of energy and time listing and trying to prove some kind of theory. Uh, it, it's, it's no. The important thing is that we, we turn people to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and get them away from so much of this of believing it. Just do you realize how hopeless it would be to believe in evolution? That's the most hopeless belief that there is. to believe that nothing's going to happen. People would go mad. If if, if you're, there's most people who believe this, they'll, they'll waste waste decades believing in evolution till they get about my age, and then all of a sudden they begin to think of the concept of God. Because I listen, I, there is something unique about all of us individually. There's something unique. There's that part of creation that's in all of us that makes us godlike. It really does. It makes us godlike. And in that fact that we were created in the image of God. That's why the born again experience is born again. There's a part of us that is godlike, but being born again brings that. When God's spirit comes into us, it mixes with that godlike portion of us. That's what our conscience is. And it mixes with us. And all of a sudden we begin to with that born again experience that, that is released. And by faith we begin to believe, Yes, I was created in the image of God. No, I did not evolve from a Y and a monkey went one direction and I went the other. I am not looking for my tail. Some of you couldn't find it anyway. <laughs> the account of the creation in Genesis. It's not a textbook on how the world came to be, but a firm proclamation that God made everything, and everything He made was good. The story is told in, in beautiful and majestic poetry, and, I, and it is a beautiful story, which is fitting for such a beautiful, majestic accomplishment. God utilized some of the most striking lines of Scripture in the account of creation, and God said, let there be... And there was. And these words introduce the creation of light, firmament, vegetation, the sun, the stars, the animals of the sea, the air, the land, and God made man. Let's look at for just a moment. To, let's trace a sequence of events And as the book of Genesis unfolds and as the drama begins. God's Spirit was brooding. Oh, He was brooding over a, over a primeval creation. And at God's command, light appeared. And day and night separated. This began time. Marking its first moments in eternity. Next, God formed the lands. He created the living things. First, the grass and the vegetation of the earth came into existence. And then the animal world made its appearance. It seems animals' life first appeared in the oceans, according to Genesis 1.20. But soon birds were in the air. God's creative power then swept over the land to form the animals that would live upon it. Everything was now complete and awaiting the crowning work of creation when God formed man. You must study? In a biology, and, and, and a lot of you I know have, have, remember some of this stuff from school. A study of biology reveals that each species of life has its own characteristics. And it's individual. Tiny ribbons of matter called chromosomes, which exist in each nucleus of the cells of the particular organism, uniquely program each species. The chromosomal components of such species are incredibly complex. God changes them completely to form another species. Something that complex couldn't have just. Happen. this world is not around for billions of years god formed all this complexity i don't have all the statistics i used to know that I studied it more but the statistics of what we have today just happening was <laughs> well it was unbelievable it, you can even come up with numbers that large of how it's just impossible that it would have happened this way so each one of us are complex and since only a miracle could produce the myriad of species in the world the theory of evolution simply does not answer the creative pattern and principle that operates in life around us evolution was not God's way of creating the universe and life on earth and you know some people believe that now personally the word we throw that word around and sometimes we use it in order to be descriptive in some fashion you know he evolved into this or that and I I suppose it's not wrong to necessarily use the word, but the evolution between kinds is impossible. Through you know, we all know that they say that, that Daniel Boone was five foot eight. When I was a kid watching Fess Parker play Daniel Boone on television, he was six foot five. He could throw a tomahawk so hard he could split a log in two. But in reality he was about five foot eight. Now, now Daniel Boone would probably be six foot five. Nutrition. It's not necessarily evolution. It's how you eat, what you do. It's better health care. Man does have abilities that God has given him to make us better. But for Daniel Boone to make the swap and go from Daniel Boone to King Kong, not likely. so we we know that that, uh, that that each species, through the right kind of nutrition, the right kind of health care, we get better, we get bigger, we get stronger, but it's not an evolutionary process that's what we do to ourselves so only you know again, only a miracle could produce what it is now, now God took special care in his final act of creation. For man was to be different from anything he had created. Man was to to have the image and the likeness of God himself. Taking the dust of the ground, God formed man. And you should note here that God did not merely speak creative words to make man. He could have. And that's so beautiful in the concept because God could have said, let there be Adam and Adam could have just sprang up from the dust. But God, the Bible says, formed him with his hands. He didn't do that to any other species. He just did it to man. Because man had to be formed by God's hands because man was special. Don't ever doubt how God looks at you. God didn't take all the the care that He took in forming Adam to just let anybody that's of the species of man, if you would, just not be special to Him. Every human being, all six plus billion of us, is special to God. All of us are. I don't care who He is. I don't care where He is. I don't care what kind of state He's in right now. He's still special to God. And all it takes as a person to simply cry out to Him and believe in Him for His life to begin to turn around. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? It is one of the most wonderful things. Each one of us is special each one of us as God breathed a breath into his lifeless form and man became a living soul but he was more than any other living form for the breath of the creator was in him and he carried the image and the likeness of God man was in unison with the creator he he could fellowship with him he could respond to God's love and he could worship God being formed from the dust should remind us of our, our lowly origin but we should also remember that we have the touch of the creator in our nature that's what makes us special. Chemically speaking, you're not worth a whole lot. Really, you're not. And one time, I think a man's worth, uh, I think, uh, now, of course, that, that all, with the precious metals and everything, that's within us and our blood and all that. I think worth about $120. I think that's the last thing I had. So, for $120, that's all you're worth. God just, just forms you. But in God's eyes, you're priceless. You know, to mankind, one man's not, but to God's eyes, we're priceless. We are priceless. So you're not worth much in a material form, chemically speaking. We perform the purpose for which we are created, and we reach the highest levels of satisfaction and achievement only when we turn our lives over to God. There is no true joy, peace, or satisfaction in a person's heart unless he has surrendered himself to the Lord. Not only is God perfect, but everything He does is Perfect. He is one in whom we can have complete confidence. It would be foolish to think God's creation was less than perfect. However, we cannot fully appreciate the great perfection that was in the world before sin entered the scene. For we are accustomed to a world which sin has distorted and stained the beauty of God. You ever stop and think about how much different things would have been if you were there and your eyes would behold creation in its in its earliest form? And you know the world was not stained by sin. You don't see the distortions. You wouldn't have seen the distortions that we see today. I think that we all, there's distortions in, in all mankind, and, and you see them, and you, you, you know their trust level begins to, to go down. I, I mean, even in the church, we had money stolen out of the tape room Sunday night. Yeah. You would think people wouldn't do that. Now, I will say this. I don't believe that person is here. I know they wouldn't, but just in case I am wrong. I will say this to you. Now, i got scripture for what I'm about to do because when Demetrius came against uh, Paul, silversmith, and they, he, they run Paul completely out for preaching the gospel because his, his, his livelihood of making Diana goddesses was about to, to be destroyed. So they run Paul out. Paul made this statement shortly thereafter. He said, God reward Demetrius according to what he's done. So that's what I say to you that stole the money out of the tape room. God rewards you according to what you've done. I'm not being mean. I love you. And I hope you're not here. (laughs) But if you are, and that money is starting to smolder, just bring it, put it in a tithing envelope, say, I'm sorry, and put it in the offering. And God will forgive you. And so will I. But, in order for me to forgive you, I have to see repentance. Is that correct? (laughs) So, God, everything He does is perfect. Sin can make everybody ugly. And regardless of who we are, even though we're filled with the Spirit, we still have that ugly nature buried. It really does. It's buried. You know, the Bible talks about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And, and you know, the fruit of the Spirit will push the works of the flesh down. But it's still there. It's always there. And that's why that if you don't live a godly life, a life that is sold out to Jesus Christ at all times, that thing will begin to come back up. That's why you have to live a righteous life and always live according to the Scripture. It will try to come back up. That's the reason you have to have a prayer life. That's the reason you have to uh, come to church. It's the reason you need that because that, that nature within us, even though God's Spirit dwells within us and keeps it down, that has to be fed. It has to be fed. So not, God is perfect, but man is still. He's still man. In spite of the introduction of sin and its ugly consequences upon nature, there remains a definite beauty that still reflects the original glory given to our world. You know, the the beauty of the flower, the marvel of the insect's wings, the majesty of uh, snow-capped mountains, the whisper of a snow-born stream, the falling of the ocean waves, all tell the wonder of God's perfect creation. If the marvels we now see are the sole remnant of a creation... Teamed with perfection when God completed. Only our imagination can actually recreate what things were like before sin entered into the world. Can you imagine how beautiful it really was? And every time I get in, nature always is, and to many of us it does. It always speaks. It speaks to me, you know, because I know that God created all this. I know there's a beauty to all of it. Uh, You look out, you see the flowers, you know. I, I, I know people know. I don't. I hunt. But I don't want to shoot everything I see, regardless of what people think. I like to uh, stand sit in my window and watch the hummingbirds come out of flowers. I quit putting a hummingbird feeder out because our area has this huge supply of ants. You know, you put the hummingbird feeder out, and you got this these ants. You know, this big huge goes five miles all the way down to the river. You know, these ants are coming up to that thing. <laughs> So I quit putting it out. So we put out flowers now, and they say the hummingbirds, you know, they come to the window. They used to come to the window and look at you, because I quit putting the hummingbird figure out.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, they look at you. I say, go away, you know, and they come back and look at you, you know, like, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? But just the, the beauty of something like that. You, you know, you ever see one of those things up close? How could something that complex and that beautiful, you know, just have evolved? You know, it, it's, it's wonderful. It's a, so you just imagine what, what, what it all looked like beforehand. Now the description of the perfection of the original creation leads us to wonder about the destruction of this sin-cursed world and the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. Peter wrote that when the day of the Lord comes, this second Peter 3.10, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Therefore, 2 Peter 3.13, Therefore we look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Revelation chapter 21 22 mention this new heaven and new earth where sinners will have no part in the holy city. Revelation 21, 1 through 8. No sin will exist there to destroy the beauty of this new creation. And so consequently those who live on the new earth and in the new heaven will not experience human woes. The vocabulary of the inhabitants of God's new order will not, will not know the word sorrow, crying, pain, or death. There will be no sorrow, no pain, no death on the new heaven and new earth. It will not happen. Yet, for all that I have just said, the greatest, greatest creation are those individuals who experience redemption. That is the greatest creation that there is on the face of the world. It's those people who have come to Him, who have found in the church, His church, everything that they've ever needed. You know, there is divine healing in the church, and that's a great thing. And and, and it's there, and there's eternal life that awaits us. But still, I, I don't think that many of us realize what really happens, even though it's happened to you sometimes if you've been to church any length of time you forget what's happening down here when somebody gets down on their knees and repents and they stand up and raise holy hands without wrath and without doubting and they begin to speak in that heavenly language do you realize what is being created right there that you are an eyewitness to the greatest creation of all time that you are seeing that firsthand. there is no greater joy in heaven or in earth than when a sinner repents and by the spirit of God he is recreated from his evil ways to the righteousness that is in Christ Jesus he is a new creature the bible says old things are passed away and behold all things become new the alcoholic is no longer an alcoholic hear me now Come on, the person who is guilty of fornication and adultery has, has passed, has been pardoned, a new life that he has now to live. The idolater becomes a worshiper of the one true God. The thief no longer steals. Envy, jealousy, covetousness no longer claw at a person's heart. And the violent man practices peace. That's what happens down here. And when you're sitting back there, don't you take that for granted. Don't you sit back there and have something else to talk about. You let your eyes pick up on what's going on down here and know that you are an eyewitness to a new creation you know the holy spirit inside the heart is what really makes a difference there's a new life according to romans 6 4 we are his workmanship created in christ jesus according to christ jesus unto good works in ephesians 2 10 therefore we are to lay aside the attitude, the thoughts, and the lifestyle of the carnal man so we may be renewed in the spirit of our minds and have the blessings of the new man. In Ephesians four twenty two through 24 That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The washing... I love this in Titus. It's a beautiful scripture. Titus 3 5. The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost are the means by which we are saved. This is not to imply, again, I made this and I, I want to get this across to you. It's not to imply at all that the experience of salvation makes us perfect or infallible. Our bodies still carry the stains of a depraved nature, and, and only by walking in the Spirit can we conquer that nature. You know, you are born instantly into the church when you receive baptism of the spirit, you're baptized in Jesus name. but you still have that nature, and it takes walking in the spirit through obedience. People don't realize. I see so many people come into the church, and they, they, they just they, they, they come, and, and I made a statement about, uh, about angels a minute ago being automatons. You know and sometimes people become that. They come in, they, they do uh, what's expected of them, but they don't do any more than is expected of them and they fill a pew but they never win a soul you know they 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 don't they don't support the work of God they they just come and they think that's enough but that's not all enough do you realize the vista that can be opened to you by simply walking in the spirit and every time you come to church taking in something brand new and let it operate in your life and don't let yourself fall down to the level and I'm not telling you to be unkind or mean but there are some people that you just simply are never going to be at, at the level that you that you could be Don't let those people influence you. Don't look at them, even if they never speak to you. Don't look at them and say, is that all there is to it? No, there's not. There's a whole lot more to it. And you can grow in grace and in truth. You can grow in the knowledge of God. You can have things open up to you. There's always going to be some some crab pot mentality person who's trying to pull you down. Now you take, that's what they say about a crab pot. You put a crab pot and they'll put a top on it. You get 10 or 12 crabs in it. And every time a crab tries to go out the top, one to reach up and pull him down. Don't let that happen to you. Don't let family members happen to you. Come on. Don't allow that to happen. That you know, you, you, Every time you start moving into a higher level, a different level of God, there's always going to be somebody the devil puts in, maybe somebody that you respect that tries to pull you down. You keep growing, you keep going, you keep prophesying, you keep preaching, you keep praying, you keep believing. You keep operating in the gifts of the spirit. You keep it up, you don't allow anything to pull you back or pull you down. You're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away,. All things become brand new. That's what the washing of regeneration does for us. Mm. How wonderful. Wonderful it can be if we begin. I remember I remember times, and still, it hasn't happened as much at the time I needed it, and I've mentioned it to you before, when I felt so low, when God was trying to pull me to a different area. And and it just seemed like that no matter how hard I pressed and how hard I tried and how much I prayed and how much I fasted, there was something that tried to pull me down until finally one day I made made up my mind, I can't listen. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. I don't care how much I might respect that person. If God is trying to pull me to a higher calling, a higher learning, a higher experience with Him, I do not back down from that. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else. Because there's been times that I've spent years, it seems like, trying to get to that level. But God had continued to woo me, continued to convict me, continued to pull at me, until I continue to pray, until I break through that last level. Our church has been at that stage for years. We get up to that particular place, and we, and sometimes it's just as simple as what I've taught this morning. If God created all of this, and this is His church, then what in the world can stop us? Humanity can't stop us if it's God's will. If you've got a group of people, whether it's all of us or not, but we've got a large enough group of people that believes that we can still see uh, people get out of wheelchairs, that we can still see. And we've seen that to some extent. Not like I'd like to see it, but we, get, we we have seen that to some extent. But it can be a daily happening. God can put such an aura over this building and over this group of people that people will be drawn in here with their sicknesses and their diseases. And they can come in and God can lift them up. No, we don't even have to pray for them. They can walk in the back door and it can happen it could just be a part of what we are but you see what happens is the cares of life begin to pull that away from you you know it you know that it's happened. You've seen it. You've been a part of it. I have. I know. But you get in and the administration and the counseling and the and all the problems of the church begins to wear away and you begin to think, that's all I am. It's just, it's just you know, I'm here to just take care of people's problems. And before long, you begin to try to do it on your own and you forget it's not you that takes care of their problems, but it's God that takes care of your problems. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sometimes it's nice to have someone to talk to, but let me tell you from up here right now to everybody, there's absolutely nothing that the Creator of the universe cannot do for you if you, by faith, will simply get down and begin to ask Him and believe with all your heart that He will do it for you. Let's <clears throat> stand. I want us to raise our hands here this morning. I want you to raise your hands. And I want you to begin to... You know, I know there's always, there's always needs, and there always will be needs. That's just part of it. Just like Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. There's always going to be needs within a group of people of this size. There's always going to be. I want you to believe with all your heart. If God could create everything that I see around me, if God could do that, can He not come down and remove this problem that I have in my life? Can He not heal my body? Can he not take out and move things aside? Can he not? Just... Sometimes you got to let go of the things that are hurting you the most. You just got to live it. You got to release it to God. And if it comes at you and bites you, if it comes in you and strikes you, you still doesn't matter. You release it to Him. You say, God, I'm not going to pick it up anymore
1: ki kalama mm. Sulo rovrosiche to sa kalavana. Shh.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Just release what it. Just release it. Release it and refuse to pick it back up. You really. You really put God in a hard place when you say, I give it to you, God, but you pick it up later and you try to figure it out for yourself. You're telling Him that He's not big enough to take care of it. You don't trust Him. If you release it tonight, this morning, then you've got to leave it released. And you've got to plan on not receiving it back, not taking it back, not letting anyone tell you that you're being less of a person for not picking up this burden. The Bible says we bear our own burdens, yes, but we also bear one another's burdens. And God wants to bear all of them. Cast your cares upon the Lord for He careth for you. If you bear it, then you give it to Him. You can only give God something that you have. Yes, you have to embrace it, yes, you have to you have to bear some things, but that's the only way that you can give it to Him because you have to know that it's your problem. If you've bore it, then it's time to give it to Him. Right now in Jesus' name. God, I release faith over this congregation. I release faith. And Jesus, as they release some things to you, let them have the assurance. Let them have the assurance, God, that You're there. Let them have the assurance that You will bear the burden that they're having right now. So many people have borne so much for so many years. So many people have have hurt for so long. And the only reason, God, is because they have failed to try to give it to You. They've listened to every voice, but they've not listened to Your voice. Let them hear Your voice here this morning. Let them know here this morning that You are their God. You are the Creator. And if You've created them in Your own image, then You will take care of them. Within them, God, there's a part of you within them through the baptism of the spirit there's a part of you that can bear them up strengthen them and be with them let them take out the cares let them give it to you and let them walk away from it now i ask in jesus name
1: in jesus name Chi lobro fandalandro, chi libera makalana makana. Mm. Levro re dehia chandale morre. E chi The
0: wealth god as you know wealth, not as we know wealth. I bind the spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. I bind the thinking of poverty in Jesus' name. Let them think God in the terms that you own the cattle on a thousand hills, God, and there's nothing you cannot do or will not give them.
1: Seached a men of Rossachanam. Really, I don't must have charm. She broke over,